And so there, there are differences in our desire. But men and women both equally are image bearers of God, of equal value, equal dignity. I am not a greater image bearer of God than my wife. She is not a greater image bearer of God than I am. We are created as image bearers. We are created in his image, right? And so, woman, hear me this morning. You are created, and you may not hear this enough, and you may not hear this often in church, but you are created of equal value and dignity as men. And I'm going to say something this morning that could be a little controversial. Y'all like this mug? I got this for Heather for Mother's Day. Ray Dunn. Ray Dunn. TJ Maxx. Right? I'm going to say something this morning that could be a little controversial in some circles. But that is this. Woman, you were created to rule.
we see that God takes Adam, this created man, and out of Adam, he creates a woman named Eve. And Adam says, she is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. There's an equality there, right? There's an equality there. Bone of my bones, we're, we're the same. Flesh of my flesh, we're the same. Describes aspects of God's character. He is our strength, our 
Genesis 2 and 3 account, Eve was not yet with Adam when Adam was given the command to not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Right? So Eve is then formed out of Adam in this Genesis 3 account. And they are given instruction on sex, given instruction on marriage. What is the instruction? The instruction is get married and have sex. Right? Be fruitful. You missed us. Be fruitful. Be committed to each other above everyone else. Become one. Be one in mission. Be one in purpose. Be one in sex. Be one in identity. Right? This idea of coming together, becoming one, it's not, it's not just about sexual activity within the marriage covenant. It's about understanding that that sexual oneness also creates a oneness of identity. A oneness of family, a oneness of couple. And so they were, they were told as this couple to fulfill the creation mandate of Genesis chapter 1 together. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. Take dominion, be rulers, be image bearers of God. But in Genesis chapter 3, something goes terribly wrong, right? Paul addresses it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. He says, but I fear as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be seduced from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So he, Paul explains very succinctly that the serpent deceived Eve. Remember, Eve wasn't with Adam, if we were to read in the Genesis account, which um, we will do here in a second. We will notice that Eve is not with Adam when the command to Adam is given not to eat of the tree. Genesis, so, so Eve is deceived by the, by the serpent. Eve takes the fruit. She eats the fruit. She gives the fruit to Adam. Adam eats the fruit. And this is the beginning of millennia upon millennia of trouble and of evil and of strife and of curse, right? So Genesis chapter 3, we're going to, you got your Bible, you want to turn it up, turn, turn it up, right? Turn it up. Turn up in Genesis 3 this morning. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to read some, you'll read some. You ready? Now the serpent was most cunning of all the wild animals. 
this is this is the first case of what 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 gets called toxic masculinity, right? This is the first case of toxic masculinity. He he shirks his responsibility. He blames Eve. He blames God. The first sin in the first marriage was of the man blame shifting and making excuses for his sin. So I, I think we're given a glimpse into what kind of what what masculinity should look like, men. It should look like honesty before God and being responsible for what we know to be true. I believe, men, if we would just learn to be responsible, take responsibility for our actions and for the things that we have been entrusted with, just like Adam and Eve were entrusted with the garden, if we will take responsibility for the things we have been entrusted with and not blame shift and not look to shirk responsibility and not to look to get out of our responsibilities, I believe, husbands, that we will have a much better understanding of what it means to follow Jesus in marriage. So, verse 13.
and childbirth can become painful. That's part of the curse. It's not part of God's original design for women. And God turns his attention back to Adam, and he says in verse 17, and he says to, to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field, and you will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it, for you are dust and you will return to dust. This is part of the curse, men. There will be pain in work. It will become hard, labor-intensive. Creation will even fight against you. understanding it just sort of it, it, actually as I was working on my sermon and just sort of reading it this week it, it looks like it, it says that the ground is going to fight you until you're placed into the ground the ground is going to be difficult for you until you are placed into the ground verse 20 the man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living the Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife and he clothed them God performs the very first blood sacrifice to cover the sin and the shame and the guilt and the consequences of their sin. There was no animal sacrifice until Adam and Eve sinned. And God takes an animal, kills it, sheds its blood, and places the skin, covers their sin, covers their nakedness, covers their shame through the through this guilt offering. Even in this placing of the curse and this sin, God was working to cover them and restore them and make them right. I don't want to go back to the curse of the, on the serpent. The serpent will bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. The seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. This is what's called the proto-evangelium, the first gospel. The seed of the woman, what does that mean? on the serpent is 
we see through scripture God elevating women above the church. God elevates women. Let's talk about this for a second, babe. Throughout scripture, we see God using, we see women being used by God, even recorded being included in the lineage of David. Rahab. Tell us about Rahab.
spirit and through the word and through a re-examining of what I believe and what, what, what I believe scripture teaches. And I believe that I was living, I was elevating the curse as the standard instead of the creation mandate as the standard. I believe that when Jesus returns, and I believe that since Jesus has come, he has, his design, and we'll talk about this in, again in a second, but his design was to reverse. 
understanding of the creative order. You are a woman bearer. Uh, you are a, a God bearer, woman, an image bearer. Men, you are an image bearer. Jesus reverses the curse. Remember the curse, right? Remember the promise that you keep the glory, crush the seed of the serpent. The hope and promise of Jesus is that we, the hope and the promise of Jesus is that just like we walked in the garden before the fall, that we would be restored to that proper relationship with God and restored to that proper relationship with others. And that ultimately this garden kingdom would be restored. Jesus broke the curse of sin. Galatians 3, 13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us because it is written, curses everyone hung on a tree. Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. The God of peace, right? Crushing Satan. Colossians 2, 15 and 16, he erased the uh, certificate of debt with its obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. Jesus did it. Jesus defeated the serpent. Everyone said amen. And we get to join in in that victory. Women, woman, you get to enjoy the spoils of that victory. Men, you get to enjoy the spoils of that victory. The curse is broken. Demonic rulers and authorities have been triumphed over. Woman, Christ has elevated you. Not above man, but to the proper position that you were intended to be created in, in the beginning. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Christ has elevated you. He has poured out his spirit on you. Acts 2, 17 and 18. And it will be in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. That your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men dream dreams. I will even pour out my spirit on my servants in those days. Both men and women. And they will both prophesy. You will preach and you will proclaim, woman. Women served in the scriptures. Women served as prophets. This is in the New Testament. Even in the Old Testament. But even in the New Testament, women served as prophets and deacons and teachers and financiers. And perhaps even in the case of Junia as an apostle. Galatians 3, 28 says, There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. That does not mean Paul is not saying that there is no more gender. He's saying that the equality of gender, male and female, is restored because of Christ Jesus. Christianity also elevated women. Christianity challenged Rome's view of sex. 
sex outside of heterosexual marriage. But the older, seemingly more liberated pagan sexual practices eventually gave way to stricter Christian sexual norms, stricter Christian norms. Since the quote-unquote deeper laws in Christian sexuality were so different. Here's what we see, and I'll, I'll continue with this in a second. What Tertullian is saying is, is that because of, of the Christian witness of sex and marriage, because it elevated, it elevated sex beyond just a physical appetite to an act of love and marriage and monogamy, and it elevated the women within that relationship, it actually won out over Rome because it was seen to be a better sexuality in the church, live that out, the, the Christian practice, I believe that the world would would see that it is better for society. Now, some folks don't care what's better for society. They don't care about what's still true today. But that's a terrible way to live. That's a terrible way to have a society. And it actually is, it causes much of our crumbling in our society today. It's because we're lovers of ourselves rather than lovers of God. Good morning. 
understanding of